Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. So today I'm excited because I'm being joined by John Grimm, who is the VP of Strategy and Business Development at Encipher Security, an Entrust data car company and a leader in the general purpose hardware security module market. So welcome, John, and thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. Great to be here, Max. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a good conversation today because obviously we've just come out of 2019, so I want to kind of get your thoughts on what we were kind of seeing there and then dive really into kind of the public key infrastructure, IoT, and just really look at what we're kind of heading for over the next 12 months. So I think a good starting point here for the podcast is... We're into a new year, which means we've got new security challenges. And I know it feels like 2019 was years ago, but it was only a couple of weeks. So what key trends did you see and how do you expect those to kind of grow and change throughout the rest of the year? Oh, it's pretty interesting. If you remember, there was a song by Bon Jovi about 10 or so years ago. And the main riff was the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. And I think uh, we've seen a little bit of that with respect to the Internet of Things and the PKI market in general. Certainly, in 2019, we saw a nice progression in the world of the IoT. I think a lot of folks are seeing the potential benefits, and some of those benefits are actually coming to fruition in real projects. The IoT, for the last few years, there's been a lot of of tire-kicking, proof of concept. Let's figure out what the great power of connected devices can bring to a particular industry. Starting to see a lot more progress in progressing those into real projects, especially in some of the areas like smart cities, where the, the great power of connected traffic management to help route people around, save energy, or even collect trash. The world of manufacturing, where people have processes that they want to make quicker, simpler, more efficient, uh, more effective, and, and prevent failures. And then in areas like healthcare, where IoT devices can actually play a pretty strong role in, in changing lives. Certainly, that promise moved steps closer to fulfillment. But at the same time, we're seeing a lot of the same challenges that we've seen, you know, devices that weren't necessarily built to be internet connected in the first place, being internet connected and some vulnerabilities associated with that starting to come to the surface. There's a lot of problems we've looked at in enterprise security for many years that are the same yet different when you look at an IoT environment and needing to find devices that are getting plugged in outside the offices of an IT group. Once you find them, applying appropriate security measures, depending on the environment, depending on the risk, and then looking for ways to maintain security properly over time, you know, making sure that you're, you're looking at the data that's being collected and able to identify if something's changed or maybe one of those devices has malfunctioned or, or is under some sort of attack. So I think real interesting to look at both the progress and positive progress, as well as some of those uh, areas where the challenges are, are still remaining and, and folks are still looking for the right answers. Such an interesting area, IT, because obviously it's growing so rapidly, not only in the business market, but in the consumer market as well. And we're seeing this kind of influx of devices. And you mentioned smart cities there, which is a very good point. And it's interesting to see how these tools are being implemented. But I think you might agree with me, the security aspect might be a little bit lacking from what we could be seeing, because we're seeing that growth year on, year on. And there's security issues that are constantly cropping up. So what are these leading issues that people are reporting as a threat to their IoT devices, both from a business and consumer standpoint? 
there are certainly a, a wide range of them. You know, I, I think there's started to be a little better realization of the need for a base level of security in, in connected products, and, and certainly some of the early stage legislation that's coming into effect in, in some areas of the UK and the US is starting to, to try to address that, um, you know, the, the basic dangers associated with default passwords on devices, for example, you know, that, that attackers can use to try to get in if a user of a device doesn't change the factory default setting. The ability to update a, a device, every device manufacturer, every person that produces software for a device, there is never going to be the perfect device that never has a vulnerability. That's just not the reality of the world we live in. What everybody needs to account for and the most responsible developers of devices and software for them need to do and, and are, are starting to step up to do better is realize that you have to have mechanisms in place when those vulnerabilities do come about to be able to address them efficiently, effectively, and with proper notices. You know, this has been a hot topic in enterprise security for many years. But now that we're dealing with a lot of new device types beyond servers and, and desktop workstations and the like, now the game has changed a bit and folks need to account for the fact that you're never going to be vulnerability free, but you need to get yourself in a position for if vulnerabilities are discovered and it's something that might impact you. And of course, that's an important piece to have the ability to know right away if a particular vulnerability is going to affect you. How can you address it as quickly as possible? And as, is the vendor that's sitting behind you going to be there with updates in the long term and have a, a secure mechanism to send them down to the device. One of the easiest ways to compromise an IoT device is to send a piece of malware at it, but disguise it as a legitimate firmware update. And if the devices don't have mechanisms to prevent basic things like that, you can be vulnerable to the device being taken over and all sorts of things, data compromise or the device going out of service or your device being used to attack somebody else. So it's a pretty dangerous area. But there are some pretty basic protections that folks are starting to implement. And the study that we did with, with Dr. Larry Pondman this year, looking at global PKI and IoT trends, told us that there's some progress being made there, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because it, it is a sense of rolling out these IoT devices with not always the best security practices in place for, for as you say, updating or any issues or, or any kind of takeover that might happen with those devices. A lot of them don't have that kind of support within them to update regularly to kind of have that protection. I think that is one of the most worrying aspects that we're looking at here. So from that standpoint, we're going to be talking a little bit later on, you know, the next couple of months ahead. But from an IoT standpoint, how do we take a more productive approach to get ahead of the ever-growing number of IoT devices that are being produced and implemented? Well, really, it's about looking at the risk in a particular environment. You know, where is the device going to be used? What else is on the network with it? What sort of data could be exposed? What sort of processes are taking place? And then really having a holistic approach to looking at that risk and determining the mechanisms that you need to put in place, whether it's on the devices themselves or whether it's surrounding the devices and the environment around them to ensure that you've got appropriate compensating controls that can manage that risk. Also, a big challenge there is making sure you have right-sized mechanisms. A lot of our, our good old enterprise mechanisms aren't necessarily suited for IoT environments. Some IoT devices have very constrained processing power. They have constrained memory. Some of them don't have the ability to run security agents and, and various extra pieces of software. So in a case like that, how can you build things either onto the device or around it that'll protect it? One of the real heavy themes that we've seen 
is that folks are recognizing more and more that public key infrastructure, or PKI, the systems that produce digital certificates and involve the policies and processes around those, digital certificates are going to be an important part of the answer for IoT devices. But the way that they've been used in an enterprise environment, the RSA algorithm being used for the keys associated with digital certificates, might not work as well in the IoT environment. You might need to use something like elliptic curve cryptography for IoT devices where the key lengths are smaller, the processing power to do the math behind the algorithms, the requirements are not as great. So finding the right size of proven mechanisms is also a piece of the puzzle. We've seen a lot of folks start to look at how can they expand their enterprise PKI that they've been using to issue digital certificates to things like email applications for VPN, for SSL communications, all sorts of different applications where, where PKI is, is well embedded and very mature, how can they now start to issue certificates for IoT devices based on elliptic curve crypto to have an efficient way to revoke certificates if devices are compromised or if they're suspected to be compromised based on some of their behavior? So how do we use these good basic PKI mechanisms that are well-proven in the enterprise, but make sure they can operate at the size, at the speed, at the scale that the IoT brings when you start to talk hundreds of thousands or even millions of devices in certain environments, the game changes a bit. Definitely, definitely. And, and I'll challenge you on that now then with the PKI question, because it is a very important factor that we need to be looking at. So over the next 12 months, what does it look like for PKIs and, and how they're kind of going to be utilized? Well, it's interesting. PKI is kind of like the plumbing in your house or your office building. You don't tend to think about it a lot unless something breaks or unless you need to make a major change. You need to expand the home or the building or make some, some type of a major change. PKI has been out there and, and running for 20 years and more supporting core enterprise applications like email and, and VPN and, and user authentication and the like. What we've seen over time is that dependency on PKI continue to build because of that. Our study with the Poneman Institute tells us the average organization is using PKI for um, over eight different applications. And that, that number is only growing with the IoT being a, a great example of one of the new influences that, that's causing that number of applications to increase, just like cloud applications have over the last few years. Now that you have this increased dependency, your PKI can fall down under the strain of that, if you will, if there are new requirements that some of these new applications have. You look at that combined with the fact that many organizations are really struggling to have the right people in place with the skills to manage and update their PKIs and maintain them going forward. A lot of them are struggling resource shortages in that area and just the general lack of expertise. So this increased dependency and lack of folks to necessarily deal with it is really causing folks some concern. As we've done this study over the years with Dr. Pondman, we've seen progress in implementing better practice security in PKI, but at the same time, we've seen continued struggles, especially for things like maintaining the PKI over time to have a consistent scheme to revoke certificates when users or devices need to be removed. So it, it's far from a, a stable environment in, in terms of what people need to address. I think one of the interesting things that we see from a trending perspective, organizations tend to like to keep close control of their PKI. It's typically been an on-premise type of an application that has stayed home in the data center while, while many applications have started to migrate to the cloud. Interestingly, we've seen a bit more of a proclivity in some areas 
to go to managed or hosted services, and particularly in cases where there are resource shortages in the enterprise, and they can go to an external provider, an experienced external provider who has implemented best practice PKI security, who is well-versed in it, who understands it, who knows what needs to be done. And that can be a mechanism by which you can up-level the overall security of that digital certificate issuing infrastructure is to outsource it if it's something that's kind of grown beyond what, what your enterprise can handle. So a lot of interesting juxtaposition there between, on one hand, the desire to keep control of that, but on the other hand, the recognition that external expert help can plug some holes. Yeah, I was going to say that is a, an odd mix to kind of have there, but I guess an important one, if you aren't able to manage, it's good to kind of have that outsource option. And and that kind of leads me on nicely to my next question, because I want to talk about the risks that are involved in PKI, mainly from a security perspective of if organizations are opening themselves up when they kind of fail to prioritize their PKI in terms of these vulnerabilities, and obviously, we've got hardware security models in place that can kind of help with this, but are they the best way to manage the PKIs? Yeah, and I think it's a real important point, especially going back to looking at the fact that there is this increasing dependency on the PKI. You can think of a PKI a bit like an organization chart, where in a typical organization, you'll have a CEO and, and some VPs underneath it. A PKI is set up similarly in that there's something called a root certificate authority at the top of the chain that is kind of where that CEO sits. And that root certificate authority is the most sensitive operation and associated cryptographic keys in an entire PKI. One level down from that, where your VPs would be in a, in a people world, you have issuing certificate authorities that spit out certificates to all the end users or devices or whatever is consuming digital certificates. Those are your next most sensitive layer, because again, those are in control of, of issuing all the certificates to the endpoints. What we find, and this has proven to be the case over time, is we're seeing organizations being pretty diligent about protecting those most sensitive layers of the PKI, so the root certificate authority and the issuing certificate authorities. Because if one of those has a key compromise or some sort of other issue, you have to consider every certificate that was issued underneath it in the chain or in the hierarchy to be compromised and need to be rekeyed and reissued. And that can cause major disruption, especially in that context of, again, 7, 8, 9, 10, in some countries and industries, 11 or 12 applications that are consuming certificates from that PKI. So you can be looking at major levels of disruption if you have to reissue because of a compromise. So protecting those most sensitive keys in a PKI, the root CA and the issuing CAs, is paramount. And a very well-recognized best practice for doing that is to use hardware security modules to protect those keys. Purpose-built, tamper-proof devices whose mission in life is to generate and secure cryptographic keys in the most uh, stringent ways and, and against the most stringent standards out there like FIPS and common criteria. So our numbers with the Pondman Institute tell us that more and more folks are doing just that, but there are also still some significant numbers in, in particular areas where hardware security modules aren't being used, even at those most sensitive levels. And that's where you can open yourself up. A software-protected key, there are attackers that know how to go into systems and find unprotected keys, looking for the signature of what keys look like or understanding how the application works and how it might be stored or used at the time of use. A real important best practice in PKI from a technology perspective is always to secure the most important keys to the most stringent levels possible. 
You've got to keep that coverage there. And if it's an important element, it's something you've got to keep protected. Why do you think that is that people are not kind of taking that step that they should be doing? I think it can be a few things. It can be cost. You know, there are certain environments where if a PKI is being used for test purposes, for example, there may be situations where the risk is deemed to be acceptable uh, if things aren't are being used on test data versus production. But I think it's a combination of, of cost, expertise, and really, in some cases, it's a lack of a realization of the dependence and the results that could come from that. You know, I, I think there's been better recognition over time of some of the risks associated with keys and software. And hardware security modules are something that 15 or 20 years ago weren't, weren't mainstream, weren't well understood, but over time have become better understood. And that's why we've seen folks migrating more towards the use of them. But again, there can be some some situations where possibly, you know, as, as the use of something like a PKI has grown over time, folks haven't gone back and reassessed that overall dependency and, and what could happen, the cost, both from an operational standpoint and, and a risk standpoint and a, and a reputational standpoint of what could happen if a particular threat was executed, a vulnerability was found and exploited, and then they had to go and recover from it because those costs can be extremely significant. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, cost is such a, a massive factor for organizations and something that kind of needs to be implemented. So yeah, I think that's a, a clear kind of idea that people need to be looking at. Very interesting. I love the idea of PKIs and, and the security that's needed around them. And obviously, IoT is such a massive growing area that we, we spoke about at the top of the podcast here. But in terms of everything that we've kind of spoken about today, we've got a, a long year ahead of us, you know, security, especially it changes on a daily basis. So I'd love to kind of get your thoughts and predictions for the year ahead and really more advice from an organizational standpoint of what they should be looking out for going forward. As mentioned, we're definitely starting to see some better awareness of risk. But if you look at the IoT part of the conversation, bringing a project from a POC or an idea to full fruition into to full implementation, a lot of the focus there when those POCs take place in various enterprises is that flashy new benefit. Projects are being sold and approved based on you know, the promise of, of that benefit. And what we see, unfortunately, as a repeating pattern is that security isn't baked into those initial POCs. They're getting the project based on the, the flashy benefit, but security isn't being thought from, of, from the beginning. It, it's not the sexy thing that sells the product. It's the thing that protects the project in the long term. But really, a key thing, and, and, and I think we're starting to see more of this when you talk about you know, what's coming up. I think folks are starting to realize that it does need to be baked in from the start because there have been instances where projects move ahead, but security isn't taken into account, and it ends up being a lot more costly to go and try to retrofit it after the fact rather than thinking of it ahead of time. So I think getting in front of and making security a more prominent part of, of the project planning process and what that strategy is going to be, what's the environment the project is going to run in, what is the risk, what are the device types, and what is the overall strategy for putting appropriate security measures in place around that, I think we're going to see that as more of a core part of, of project planning in, in the IoT world. And similarly, in, in the security world or the PKI world, it's really about making better use of best practices going forward, looking again at some of the biggest challenge areas, whether it's been the skills and resources to support the PKI itself, whether it's been revocation and the ability to do that quickly and efficiently if users or devices go offline, 
if it's new capabilities that need to be built in, like issuing elliptic curve crypto certificates rather than traditional RSA. I think getting in front of some of those trouble areas, the areas we've seen progress versus the areas where we see the continuing struggles, if you know what those struggle areas are, to put some, put some attention there and shore those up, particularly the ones that might have the highest impact in your environment, that's where you're going to have the best chance of success. So really a, a proactive approach to security that doesn't leave it to later in the process and, and leave it ultimately making it harder to deal with. Exactly. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Proactivity is key. You want to be ahead of the problem before it emerges. John, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and giving your insight. It's been really great talking to you. Thanks, Max. My pleasure to be here. Of course, anytime. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen. If you want to find out more about what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to encipher.com. Also, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting fix and hit subscribe. We'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Expert series. Until then, we hope you have a great week and we'll see you soon. listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.